As we watch our world, even as we read our Bibles, sometimes it can feel like things are very dark. But in Daniel chapter 7, we are going to see a vision of the Son of Man. Before Jesus ever walked the earth, before he was ever born in Bethlehem, he is presented in the book of Daniel as the glorious Son of Man, which is a divine title, a title of deity, a title for the Messiah. And even in a dark chapter and a book that sometimes is dark, we're going to see the brilliant light of the Messiah, the great Son of Man. This is the one in whom we have trusted. This is the one in whom we have believed. And his name is Jesus. And we'll learn more about that today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. As we follow world history, the major world empires were Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. Now we're talking about the time of Belshazzar there. Then if you start fast forwarding down from Belshazzar, the nation that took over that uh, caused the fall of Belshazzar on that fateful night when the writing was on the wall was the Medo-Persian Empire. The Persian army was outside the gate. And so the second kingdom, in line with the dream of chapter 2, uh, here represented by the bear, is the Medo-Persian Empire. The three ribs of the bear has in its mouth likely pictures three major kingdoms conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, Cyrus, the Persian king, his son called Camses, conquered the Lydian kingdom, if you're interested in taking notes, in 546 B.C., conquered Babylon in 539 B.C., and Egypt in 525 B.C. And so at the time that Daniel saw this, he may not have understood every aspect or angle of this, but looking back, we can see what happened. After this, Daniel says, I kept looking, and behold, another one, the third of the four beasts, was like, keyword, like a leopard. The leopard, no doubt, is a symbol of the Grecian Empire. After the time of Alexander the Great, the kingdom was divided into four. So notice, which had on its back four wings of a bird. And notice the repetition of the numeric four. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. Now, Alexander the Great was an incredible military genius, a strategist. He died at the age of 33. Some people believe, as they look at history, that Alexander the Great died after an alcohol binge one night. There is another uh, aspect of the story that he was attempting to rebuild Babylon. And as he attempted to rebuild Babylon, he died um, in that pursuit. And so let me just read a little bit from one of the commentaries. Alexander the Great overthrew the Persian uh, kingdom and conquered all the kingdoms of the known world in just 12 years. He did this from 336 to 324 B.C. Alexander's kingdom stretched from the entire eastern Mediterranean world in the west. It extended as far as India in the east. According to Plutarch, when Alexander conquered Persia, it took 10,000 camels to carry away all the booty. In 324 BC, the youthful conqueror of the world visited the tomb of Cyrus the Great at a place called Passer Gade. Alexander died a year later at the age of 33 trying to rebuild Babylon, which God said through the prophet Jeremiah, if you're interested in the address, it's 51, 24 through 26, 
that Babylon would lay desolate and never be rebuilt. He prophesied that Babylon would be desolate forever. In the late 1980s, many of you will remember that Saddam Hussein, the then dictator of Iraq, tried to rebuild Babylon. He was working on the palace when Operation Desert Storm broke out. God raised up 500,000 troops, says this writer, from the nations of the world to stop this man's invasion of Kuwait. In the bombing raids that followed, the allies, uh, allies destroyed everything in Babylon that he had built, and its remains are desolate to this very day. You don't mess with the word of God. When uh, Alexander the Great died, he had no heir. He died at the age of 33. There's one story that after conquering the known world, he went to his bedroom and began to cry like a baby because there were no more nations to conquer. <laughs> My life's over. I can't kill people and dominate anymore. And so having no heir, his kingdom was split into, uh, by, uh, into four generals' rule. In Egypt, one named Ptolemy I ruled. In the eastern provinces, the general was Seleucus I. In Macedonia and Greece, Antipater and Cassander took power. And in Thrace and Asia Minor, one called Lysimachus became the general. It was split into four. And so isn't it interesting? This is why liberal scholars who look at the prophecies of the book of Daniel believe they have to argue that some other author under the name of Daniel wrote somewhere around 165 BC because nobody could have this information of coming kingdoms before they happened. Unless, of course, God was giving Daniel the information because God knows history in advance. He can't learn anything. He writes history in advance. It's called predictive prophecy. It's one of the reasons that you should be excited about your Bible. Because your Bible is the word of God. And so remember there's four beasts. So Daniel says after this, the third one is Greece. So we've been moving now the statue from Babylon, the head of gold, chest and arms of silver. We got the Medo-Persian Empire. Belly and thighs of bronze. We have the Grecian Empire. And now we're going to move to the legs of iron. Notice after this, verse 7, I kept looking in the night visions and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong. And it, it had large iron teeth. Now remember, the legs in Daniel 2 are of iron. And it, this last beast, no, it's, notice that it's not compared to any known animal. We had a lion, we had a, we had a tiger, and we had a bear. Oh my. No, it wasn't that. It was, a, it was a lion, a bear, and a leopard, right? I just was stuck on the Wizard of Oz. I thought you guys might appreciate that. But anyway... But this fourth beast is not compared to an animal, but it is a fourth beast, dreadful, terrifying, and extremely strong. It had large iron teeth. Think of Daniel 2 and the legs of iron. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. We know the legs of iron in Daniel 2 is Rome. And it was different from all the beasts or the empires that were before it. And notice, here's a key. It had 10 horns. It was not comparable to any known animal. It has this distinct 10 horns. Now, some people think the 10 horns compares to the 10 toes of the feet of iron mixed with clay in Daniel chapter 2. I'll leave that up to you to, to think about whether there's a connection there, but many do see the connection. 
And the legs of iron all agree is Rome because you move from Babylon, the head, to the Medo-Persian Empire, chest and arms of silver, uh, to the belly and thighs of bronze, which was Greece, and then the dominant world empire from 63 BC to 476 AD was Rome. The Roman army swept across the known world and dominated the known world. And the only reason that Rome crumbled, they say, was from within. And they believe, scholars believe and historians believe, because of the mixture of different people groups within the Roman Empire, uh, iron mixed with clay, if you will, but also because of the corruption of government and immorality and so forth. And far, finally, the barbarians attacked Rome. And I'm giving you history now so you can know the Bible obviously aligns with history or vice versa. <coughs> in 476 BC, the barbarians came in and took Rome and Rome was dissolved. From 476 BC to the modern day, there has not been a dominant world empire. Just think about it. There hasn't been one. Now, we could say that there's been some empires that have been close. There's been some empires that have tried to dominate the world. In fact, in our recent past, Nazi Germany was on a track, so they thought, of world domination under Adolf Hitler and his madness and all that went on there and him trying to exterminate all inferior so-called races. And he did his damage, but he was stopped once again by allied forces, by the grace of God. Amen? And so here we are. We're, we're kind of tracking through history. And Daniel, from sometime in the mid-500s B.C., is seeing all the way to the time of Jesus Christ. Now, think about it. Jesus Christ was born, lived, and died in the dominant time of what, which empire? Rome. We know that the Caesars were living at that time. We know that Rome was the dominant empire. And for those of you who are prophecy students, the down payment of the kingdom of God, the rock cut without hands that would destroy the statue and blow it to smithereens and so forth, was made in the first advent of Jesus Christ, his first coming. He lived during the reign of the Roman emperors, if you will, during the sweeping uh, uh, dominance of Rome. And he died on a cross, and his kingdom will have no end. As you think about this last beast empire, many of you are familiar with the fact that many prophecy experts believe that the last world empire will be a revived Roman empire. And of course, in years past, some believe that it was attached to the Roman Catholic Church. Many are moving away from that view now. I don't hold that view but I think what you need to understand as a student of Scripture is that oftentimes what happens is that kingdoms of ages past become composite uh, pictures of kingdoms yet future. So they may carry some aspects that you can project to the future of a final world empire. And you all know that there is going to be a final world empire, and it's going to be ruled by one who is called the beast. He's the final beast. And we're going to see a connection between Daniel 7 and Revelation 12, 13, and 17 in a moment. Let me just go back to Rome for a second so that we can talk a little bit about Rome. The Roman army swept across the ancient world, defeated one nation after another until the empire extended from the Atlantic Ocean east to the Caspian Sea, from North Africa to the Rhine to the Danube rivers. Egypt, Palestine, Syria 
were all under Roman domination. Jesus came in the time that... Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you another exciting thing about walkintruth.com. It's the store that's there. There's some great products up there on some intriguing subjects available in CD and DVD format. When you purchase one of those products, you actually support the radio ministry and help us reach out to more people like you. It's walkintruth.com. Click on the store, check it out, get a product, and you'll be partnering with us in the gospel ministry. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. And we'll talk to you soon. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. We're going to see a connection between Daniel 7 and Revelation 12, 13, and 17 in a moment. Let me just go back to Rome for a second so that we can talk a little bit about Rome. The Roman armies swept across the ancient world, defeated one nation after another until the empire extended from the Atlantic Ocean east to the Caspian Sea, from North Africa to the Rhine to the Danube rivers. Egypt, Palestine, Syria were all under Roman domination. Jesus came in the time that Rome was ruling and he died and he rose from the dead in that very history in which uh, that time was embedded. The Roman Empire was the dominant force. We know uh, Nero persecuted Peter and Paul. We know that there's a lot of connections to the Roman Empire and that history because that's the time when Jesus came. And so notice that there, when we looked at the ten horns, we're told later they are ten kings. Now, we believe that what that tells us is that there's a future kingdom coming, and we'll see this in the book of Revelation, that is not directly connected to Rome. It may have some composite connection, but it's not Rome. There's some future empire coming that will uh, have this connection to these 10 kings because there were over 60 kings that ruled in the Roman Empire. So it's not the Roman Empire of old that we're talking about. This world-dominating empire that's revealed in Daniel 7 will make war with the saints and defeat them. Daniel 7.21. Take a look with me as we'll skip ahead for a moment as we get the big picture. I kept looking, Daniel 7.21, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. You'll notice in Daniel 7.22, God intervenes until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And uh, I believe just, this is my view, that that judgment passed in favor of the saints will be at the return of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself. Now go back to Daniel 7, verse 8. He says, while I was contemplating the horns on, on this last dreadful dominant Beast, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them. Some of you may have heard this before of the little horn of Daniel 7. Well, here it is. And most prophecy experts believe the little horn of Daniel 7 is the Antichrist. Notice he comes up among them. He's another horn among the ten, if you will, as Daniel contemplated the horns. And three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, 
and a mouth uttering great boasts. So all of a sudden, this last horn, as Daniel contemplates it, he's, he's, he's uh, thinking about it, he's examining it, he's considering it. This horn, which often depicts power in the ancient world, like the horn of an animal, possessed eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth uttering great boasts. And all of a sudden, this horn is kind of transformed. And there's eyes and a mouth, and it begins to boast. And we're going to find that it's speaking arrogant blasphemies against the God of heaven. In fact, it is bent on making war with the God of heaven. And with that in mind, would you hold your place in Daniel and turn to Revelation 12. Revelation 12. It's page 2065. Now, if you're having trouble finding Revelation, we'll talk after the service, but it is the last book of the Bible. Anyway, Revelation 12, 17, notice what happens. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, Revelation 12, 17, and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring. Now, the woman in Revelation 12, 17 is Israel. The rest of her offspring, which this dragon goes to make war with, we would say is the church who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Who's the dragon, Bible students? Satan. The dragon gives power to the beasts. Move into chapter 13, look at verse 1. And the dragon stood uh, on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. Now think Daniel 7. Four beasts came up out of the sea there. Here in Revelation 13, there's a beast I saw, says John, coming up out of the sea, the sea of humanity, some believe the Mediterranean, having what? Ten horns, think to Daniel 7, uh, representative of, of kings, as we mentioned. The, the ten horns are ten kings. And seven heads, probably representative of kingdoms or nations here. And on his horns were ten diadems or crowns, on his head were what? Blasphemous names. So you can see that there is a connection here between Revelation 13 and what we have seen in Daniel chapter 7. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. Now remember we saw a leopard in Daniel 7. His feet were like those of a bear. We saw a bear in Daniel 7. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. We also saw that in Daniel 7. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Now, if we look at the leopard, the bear, and the lion, and we look at Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece, what we can say, I think, safely is this, that the last world empire that comes on the scene, the empire of the Antichrist, will have kind of a composite of all the world-dominant empires of the past. It will have parts of Babylon, if you will, Medo-Persia and Greece, and also we will include Rome. The final world empire, the final Babylon, if you will, the final kingdom of the Antichrist will be a composite of the world empires in the past with a dictator and bent on world domination. And if you peel back the layers for a second and think with me, the one thing that the, the nations had in common moving from Egypt all the way down to Rome was one thing, persecution and hatred of the Jewish people. 
And as an interpreter of the Bible, I get an insight as to what to look for. One thing to look for in the final world empire led by the Antichrist will be a hatred and a persecution of Israel. And much to many people's surprise who are Bible interpreters uh, that have been watching the prophecy and wondering if there'd be literal fulfillment, they saw the nation of Israel return and recapture Jerusalem in 1967. Oh my goodness, buckle your seatbelt, Israel's back in the land. And there's talk of a temple being rebuilt. And there's training of priests and how to do sacrifices. And the nations of the world, how many of them like Israel? How many true allies does Israel have? I mean, look around, folks. This is an interesting and exciting time to live. Because Israel is back in the land and there's persecution and there's stuff going on there all the time. And so notice what happens. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, verse 3, and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. This last world leader, this dictator or antichrist will seem to go through something that looks like a death and a resurrection, probably faked. And they worship the dragon, that's Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast. Maybe Satan has possessed this beast to give him his power. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemy and authority to act for 42 months. Bible students, that's three and a half years, was given to him. Authority is given. God's sovereign. He's given this authority to act for three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him, to Antichrist, to make war with who? With the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Notice he is going to make war with the saints. And I know this is a verse that a lot of people don't want to look at, but here it is, and to overcome them. There's going to be a time for the saints that are on the planet at this time when the Antichrist will have the upper hand. In verse 10, it says, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he will go. If anyone uh, kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. So here is what takes patient endurance. Here is what some of you may need to hear as an alternate view of what you were raised with. It is quite possible that the church will go through the great tribulation and have to deal with the Antichrist. Because the word saints is used in the book of Galatians in a greeting, in Ephesians in a greeting, and it's another word for the church. And you may have heard people say, well, the church isn't mentioned after a certain place early in Revelation. Yeah, but saints are mentioned. And so some people say, well, these are tribulation saints. Maybe, 
but maybe not. I guess all saints will be tribulation saints at that time. Amen? The question is, who will be here at that time? And who will the Antichrist be persecuting? It's the offspring of the woman, the ones who have been grafted in, the church. But be a good cheer, because he'll only have a limited time to do his damage. And it will really only matter to the ones that are here. But let me just say to you, for those who are here, if, they are, if they've at least heard this as a possibility in your last day's view that the church may go through at least a portion of Daniel's 70th week, it would be good to hear the alternate view because if the alternate view is true and you're still here, then you won't think that God gave up on you or the Bible's not true. Are you with me? So this is what's been called a historic premillennial view held by Irenaeus, Justin Martyr, just to name a few. The historic premillennial view says the church will see the Antichrist. They will have to face persecution, but they will experience deliverance at the return of Christ and a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. Praise God. Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you another exciting thing about walkintruth.com. It's the store that's there. There's some great products up there on some intriguing subjects available in CD and DVD format. When you purchase one of those products, you actually support the radio ministry and help us reach out to more people like you. It's walkintruth.com. Click on the store, check it out, get a product, and you'll be partnering with us in the gospel ministry. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.